Amen. Good morning and thank you for joining us. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, Brother Lalo, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? singing hymn number 36, Christ Arose.
again we'll sing hymn number 264 once for all standing as we sing free from the
this morning. Uh, Brother Bob, would you pray for us? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for redemption.
And if you would stand once again, we'll sing hymn number 188, The Love of God. Hymn number 188.
a great high priest whose name is love whoever lives and pleads for me my name is graven on his hands my name is written on his heart i know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can bid me thence depart no tongue can bid me thence depart when satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward i look and see him there who made an end to all my sin because the sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for god the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable i am the king of glory and of grace one with himself i cannot die my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with christ on high with christ my savior and my god with Christ my savior and my god one with himself i cannot die my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my savior and my god with Christ my savior and my god with Christ my savior and my god well i tell you what we're having church this morning I hope you're tuned in, because if you're not, you're missing it. I'm telling you. Wow. And we start off with a resurrection song. Is that not awesome? I love it that our Easter songs and our Christmas songs are not just there for Easter and Christmas. Men? Jay brought, brought that to our attention just a couple of weeks ago with a Christmas song. I love Christmas. 
But I love Easter too. Telling you, what a blessing. So today, Psalms 49, my message is entitled, The Value of a Person's Soul. And we've, if you've caught the kind of the theme here this morning that the Lord has put together, we don't set aside and go, oh, we're going to sing these songs and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. This is just what God does. And the theme has been the value of your soul, really. It's, they've been singing about blessing the Lord for his redemption power, that we're saved. We can't do it ourselves. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You don't deserve it. But it's a free gift, and you can have it. Amen? And so if you're here today and you're saved, you ought to be so excited you can hardly sit there, right? And uh, if you're not saved, you ought to be wondering, I wonder why these people are so excited about this being saved thing. I wonder why. Because it changed my life. Changed my life, and it's changed a lot of lives of people sitting right here today. Let's go ahead and stand. Psalms 49 is where we're going to be reading. You follow along. I'll begin in verse 1. Hear this, all ye people. Not some of you, but all of you. Okay? Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. So it's not just to the group here. It's not just to those who are maybe tuned in. But this message is for the entire world. And by the way, the message of our Savior is not changed. It's still for the entire world. Everyone needs to know. Both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perisheth, and leaveth their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and that their dwelling places to all generations, and they call their lands after their own names." Lord, we love you today, and we thank you for this time together. Lord, I don't know what to say, but thank you for salvation. I just want to praise your name for the awesome God you are. You give us this opportunity to be saved from our sins. Lord, uh, none of us are deserving of it, but we're so, so grateful that your plan for the ages was that Jesus would come and die on the cross, that heaven might be our eternal home. Lord, we pray today that you would meet with us, the Holy Spirit would continue working in our lives and our hearts. We thank you for the music, those who have practiced and worked so hard to bring uh, the music that they've brought. And Lord, we realize that they don't do that 
for our enjoyment. They do that to honor and glorify you, and we just thank you for it. We pray your will would be done in our lives and our hearts. Lord, there's some here that have never heard of the saving power of Jesus. I pray today, the Holy Spirit, just work in their lives and hearts that they'd recognize their need to be saved. And then, Lord, I pray for Christians that we'd be excited about the fact that we're saved and excited about the fact that heaven's our eternal home and no one can ever take it from us. It's something that's been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Meet with us here today. Might you be praised and glorified through it all. We ask these things in your wonderful, most precious name. And all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. We go back to verse number one. And my first point is this. Verses one through four. The first point is this. Here. Here. And uh, it says, it begins, verse number one, with, Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all the inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Here we find a group of people that David's writing to, uh, to the sons of Korah. Uh, he's writing according to what I found at the first of uh, my Bible there in Psalms 49. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah, uh, the choir. They're going to sing this. It's going to be a part of, of what they would proclaim. He gives them this command that they and all the people are to give ear. That when we come to, you know, I'm just going to break us down to where we are today. When we come together the church it's not about socializing it's not about seeing who we might see it's not about trying to build relationships or networking communities it's that we're coming together to worship a great and awesome god and it's really sad how many people today that they don't value that relationship they don't value getting to come to church and be able to enjoy coming together now i'm telling you you know the the COVID thing really hurt the church uh, we had youth rally here on Friday night. Uh, Pre-COVID, our youth rallies would run anywhere from 225 to up to around 300. I mean, we'd pack this building out. Uh, now, uh, post-COVID, uh, you know, we had uh, about 100 year before. We had about 150, 75 somewhere uh, here. This area, it's just it's changed people's involvement in going to church. We can look around today and we can realize, oh, there's people that used to come to church with us, but they don't come anymore. And, and I understand those that are unable to physically, but those who choose to just stay home, they're making the wrong choice. We ought to choose to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to choose to be with him. And here he's telling the, the people, he said, I want them to understand, I want them to hear that they, they need to choose God, that the, it doesn't matter if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're poor, it doesn't matter if you're of high degree or low degree, what matters is what have you done with Jesus Christ? What are you going to do with God? What are you going to do about praising Him, about serving Him? He tells us to, uh, to, uh, to encourage us, to incline our ear to a parable, it's amazing to me how people can sit under the preaching of the Word of God and they never listen. 
They're here, but they never listen. They've checked out. They're, they've gone into zombie land. They're not paying attention to what's being said. They feel like maybe they've got it all figured out. Maybe I'm just here because mom and dad say I need to be here. Maybe I'm just here because I've already got this figured out, preacher, but I have to come. Or maybe they just come and they just, just because they want to be seen and they feel like it's so important for their social strata. But the important thing is that when we come to the house of God, we need to hear. And we need to hear and then we need to take from what we hear and share with others. Because they need to hear. It turns us to our second point, and a, which is to fear the days of evil. Verse number five. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass about me? Now, I'll be honest with you, when I read through this, it gave me a little bit of pause. When I considered the latter part here, when it said, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about. And so after doing praying and studying and thinking on it, I've come up with this breakdown of this verse. We find David poses this idea in question for them to consider. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? One theologian writes of this portion that the writer is questioning growing older. Oh, okay, I get that. I'm getting older. The days of evil being the days when health fades. Man, I'm telling you. As you get older, the health fades, doesn't it? And I think about all the good old days and all the good old things I could do. Uh, these guys were working on this drywall, and I just had to stand back and say, no, I'm out. You guys going to have to get after it. You young pups, you got to do it. Because I had my time. I did my duty, you know. Uh, when you're young and you're strong, it's an awesome thing. I mean, you can pop out of that seat and walk across the room and get a, a drink of iced tea and walk back across the room and sit down. It's nothing. But as you get older, it's like, is there anything else I'm going to need while I'm up? What else do I need to accomplish? Maybe I ought to add a bathroom break and probably a snack. By the time I get back, it's going to well wear me out. Now, some of you are laughing, but I'm telling you, you wait, it's coming. It changes for each and every one. It comes at a different time. Some remain well fit into their 80s, and, and uh, some they find by the time they get mid-50s that they feel like they're just a broken-down, worn-out person. The unsaved man has a lot to fear when they consider their mortality. Because that's what we're doing. We're considering our mortality. Man, I'm just not what I used to be. Life has changed so much. But as a Christian, I don't really fear that. I expect that. I know life's going to change. I know I'm not going to live forever. But it's okay. Because I know where I'm going. But for the unsaved, it gives great pause. Because they go, man, you know, I need a fountain of youthfulness. I need to take five times the amount of vitamins that I've been taking. I need something to, to help me make it through. Those who are trusting in their life, the power and their strength realizes that it's slipping away and it leaves them in kind of a darkness, an, an unfamiliar area where they're doubting and they're wondering what else is there. 
knowing that we go to a better place of no more pain and no suffering and no more goodbyes, boy, it puts a smile on my face. The iniquity of the hills shall compass me about. The sins of our life and choices catch up to us. You know, when you're young and dumb, you might think, I'm going to sow my wild oats and then pray for crop failure. Can I tell you that there isn't such a thing as a crop failure? Even through the redemption of Jesus Christ, I don't know how many times I've dealt with individuals, they get saved, they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And um, one in particular I'm thinking of right now, uh, he told me after he got saved and accepted Christ and was baptized, I'm visiting with him one day, and he goes, you know, I've got a warrant for my arrest. I broke probation back in Colorado. I don't know what to do about it. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does, how it brings that kind of stuff back. He goes, I don't know what to do about it. I said, well, the right thing to do about it would be to call him. And so they sent a vehicle to come pick him up and took him back. And for, I think, six months, they locked him back up for violation of his probation. There's this payment. You might think, well, I'll get away with that. No one will ever know. Well, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Reaping may be later in this life, and it may not even be in this life, and it may be through children, but there is a reaping. Psalms 56, 6 says, They gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark uh, my steps when they wait for my soul. The weepers come facing the past, the results of drinking and drugs, the results of immorality, the results of not loving or caring for others. The same grow old alone because of their choices in life. What a sad thing to grow old with no one around because of choices in life. My third point is wealth. And I'll be honest with you, as I came to this point, I'm going to break this down, and we're going to find that there's two to maybe three reasons for each point that I'm going to make here. So just kind of bear with me. If you mark your Bible, it might be a good time to just kind of underline some things. But wealth. Now, I I would start by asking this. Is there anyone in here who doesn't wish that they were wealthy? I'm not going to ask, is there anyone in here who's wealthy? Because even the wealthy wish they were wealthier, right? But wealth brings brings its own set of issues. So if you live your whole life thinking, boy, if I could just get wealthy, if I just get wealthy, if I just get wealthy. I remember one time I was talking to my mom and, and uh, we had paid all the bills and all those kind of things. And it, there was still just a straggler here or a straggler there. And I said, man, mom, I, I just wish that, that I could get ahead, you know, that I'd, I'd have more than enough. And she goes, you know, your dad and I have lived our entire life just kind of paycheck to paycheck, month to month, getting the bills paid every month. She goes, we've been pretty happy our whole life, just living our life that way. I think there's something to be said for just learning some contentment along the way of not, not having all the exorbitant wealth. So here's, here's just some thoughts about wealth. Verse number six, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. So there's two things here. Uh, about wealth in verse number six. First of all, they that trust in their wealth. 
and forgive me here for just a minute, okay, but I grew up late 60s, well, mid-60s forward. I can kind of remember those days. Um, there was this group called the Beatles that came to America. I remember watching them first time on the Ed Sullivan Show. I know, I don't, I don't know. But here's, they had a song, Can't Buy Me Love. Is that not true? You can't buy love. You can't buy happiness. Money's a failure. If you think money's going to make me happy, if you think money's going to make me love someone, I'm going to love them more because they have so much money, uh, you're looking at the wrong place. It's not about wealth. It's not about money. There's, there's no way to, that trusting in money is going to make you happy. Wealthy people still die the same way poor people do. When it comes down to it and you're in the hospital, you may be in a different ward, you may be in a private room, you may have an entire nursing staff, you may have a whole slew of doctors around you, but when it comes to your last breath, it's still your last breath. You're dead. Just like the poor guy who maybe has no money to be in the hospital, who's laying in an alley someplace and takes his last breath. Death is still death. Wealth will not change that. Wealth will not change that at all. They stop breathing and the brain activity ceases and they die. To trust in wealth is vain. They boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Now this is something that, uh, you know, is, is really out there in our world today about people boasting themselves in the multitude of their riches. Proverbs 18.11 says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and as a high wall in his own conceit. Psalms 49.10 says, For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise the fool and the British person die, and leave their wealth to others. Some people like to boast of their wealth. Well, you know, I've you know, got a bunch of money sitting in the bank, and, and I've got this, and I've got that, and, and I've got all this stuff. Yet he who dies with the most stuff at the end still dies. And then I put a hyphen, and I put this, then let the fighting begin. Is that not true? Man, when you don't have much to divide, it's pretty simple. Okay, I mean, when my mom finally passed away, it was like, okay, let's go through the house. Do you want that? I had two brothers. Do you want that? No, no. Okay, I'll take it. You want that? And we went through and we divided up, and then we brought a dumpster in. Three of them. So all that stuff you think is so valuable that your kids are going to want, you ought to ask them before you store it all your lifetime. You ought to just have Christmas and say, okay, is there anything in this room that you guys think is valuable? Well, that's not, and that's not, and that's not, and that's not. I wish that my mom would have asked that. If, anyhow, three dumpsters. I'm going to talk to her when I get to heaven about it. <clears throat> Some rich people boast of their wealth, and yet when you die, the fighting begins. Think of Howard Hughes. I don't know if his estate is still settled. Michael Jackson, more contemporary. Michael Jackson, they immediately, immediately, the body wasn't even in the ground and they're fighting over it. 
And then the artist formerly known as Prince left so much money and so many unplayed uh, tracks that he had laid down. And fight, 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 fight. Two things that cannot be done by the wealthy. They can do and buy lots of stuff, but they cannot. But they cannot. Leads us to verse 7. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Two things that the wealthy cannot do. They cannot redeem. Only Jesus redeems. You say, but hey, preacher, um, I'll write the church a a check for a million dollars if I can go to heaven. Hey, you can go for free. Okay? You want to give us a million dollars, we'll take it. Or two or three million. We'll take it. We'll take it. But I cannot say, you give me a check and I can say, God bless you, you're going to heaven. It doesn't happen that way. You can't come up and say, well, preacher, I've got this, I've got this wayward son, or I've got a, a mom or dad. They're not saved, and I want them saved. I, I want them to go to heaven. So what I want to do is I want to write a check, and if, if I write you a check, can you say some prayers for them? And they go to heaven, you got the wrong church, okay? We believe the book, it's not in the book, so we don't practice that. Okay? There are groups that practice that. We don't practice that because it's not in the book. The decision of salvation is yours. You have to make the choice. I had to make my choice. You have to make your choice. This fine group of young people, weren't they handsome and beautiful all at once? You notice there was a line, we kept the the ugly boys from the beautiful women, but um, you notice there was but I, as much as I love those kids, I cannot be saved for any of them. As much as mom and dad loves their children, and you hold your little baby for the first time, and you go, oh, you know, this, this little baby, I love this baby, but you can't do anything to redeem their soul. They have to come to their own decision. They need to ask Jesus Christ, their self, to come into their heart and forgive them of their sins. They have to make that choice. Boy, it'd be easy if we could do it for others, wouldn't it? If people would come in and say, hey, you know, I'm going to give you $1,000. You say a few prayers so that Uncle Tom here can can go to heaven. And, uh, you know, I mean, we could just set up a, you know, a cash register back there and do. But that's not what the Bible says. It's a personal relationship. It's a personal decision that each and every one of us must make. No one can redeem anyone else. Man cannot pay enough money or give enough stuff or to even redeem his own soul. Then I like the, what he said about a ransom. Nor give to God a ransom for him. The rich cannot pay a ransom to God. The rich can't say, you know, I, and I've actually kind of heard people say this. Well, that just sounds too easy. I just pray and ask Jesus into my heart. That's too easy. I've got to do something. No, you just need to pray and ask God into your heart. It's that simple. No, I need to do something. I, I need to, to build you a building or I need to, 
I need to give my life as a missionary. I need to do this. I need to do that. No, 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 no. You cannot do anything. You cannot give anything as a ransom for your soul. Only Jesus can save you. Well, have you ever wondered why? Well, think about this. All this stuff that we think is so important and so valuable has no value in heaven. No value in heaven. Well, I got a brand new car. Let's say you got a brand new vet. I like vets. Say you got a brand new vet. No, better yet. Let's say you got a 63 Stingray bubble back with a glass. Let's say you got one of those $200,000 vets. I'll give my vet. No, won't do you any good. I'll drive it for you, but it won't do you any good. It's not going to get you to heaven, but I'll be glad to take it off your hands. One of my favorites. There's nothing we can do to ransom our soul. You think about it. Well, uh, I, I could give... I could give gold. Well, the streets in heaven are made of gold. This stuff that we value so much that we want to maybe fight over, that we work so hard, so many people work so hard to get this stuff that they miss it. I'm going to go to heaven and be with Jesus. I need to be about his work now. Rather than trying to amass wealth and rather than trying to get all this stuff it's going to be left behind. You know, like they said, I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. It's not going to do you any good. It might make it easier on the kids when it comes to dividing the stuff, but I'm telling you, you're not going to take it with you. It's stuff. The stuff of this world is, is mortal. When we get to heaven and this is corruptible, we get to heaven, it's full of incorruption, immortality. Two things about redemption. Verse number eight. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. Now here, I think we need to underline this verse in your Bible. If you're an underliner, if not, it's a good time to start. For the redemption of their soul is precious. Have you ever thought about how precious the fact that you are saved and on your way to heaven? Even Dan Gilson. Precious. You know that? You're precious, Dan. I'm just going to say that publicly. Precious Dan, right there. His salvation is precious. No one else could do it. No, he can't buy it. He can't earn it. He sure doesn't deserve it. But Jesus loved him. He died on the cross of Calvary. Dan had a time that he called upon Jesus Christ to forgive him of his sins, to come into his heart, to save him. It is precious. It's a precious thing when you think about, if I was to die today, heaven's my eternal home. If I fall over right now, right here, and I take my last breath laying here on this wonderful piece of plywood, it's okay. I'm going to a better place. I don't even care what you put me in. You can put me in a cardboard box. You can, I, I, don't, I, I've told my beautiful wife, don't waste your money on a bunch of 
of money on a casket. That's like some of the biggest rip-offs in the world, I think. Because guilty people gather, and they're like, oh, he was such a great guy. They hadn't talked to him in 10 years. He was such a great guy. Yeah, let's buy that $25,000 casket. Like, that adds any value. Still dead. Still, I'm sorry, just, I face death every day. Still dead. Still going to decay. Oh, I, I love the vault one. Now we can get a concrete vault, or we can get this super titanium, unnatural vault. Well, what's the difference? Well, you know, concrete vault's just concrete. No ceiling to it at all. Oh, you mean like the water and stuff will get in? Yeah, water and stuff will get inside. They're dead. Now, if you wasted 25000 on a casket... You might want to protect that, but I don't know why, because it's got a dead body inside of it. Or you can get this super titanium. I actually heard them sell that. The super titanium uh, thingy that holds the, <laughs> the, the casket, and it seals. I'm like, oh, great. So it seals so that when they finally, if they would have to open it, the smell would be horrendous. I, I, it does, am I the only one that... That's why it may be good that you make your own funeral plan. Why is it so precious? Oh, precious because John 3. John 3, verse 16, 17, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. That's pretty precious. I've got three. Two are good, one is bad. I wouldn't even give the bad one for your soul. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. He came, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to point a finger. That was already done with the law. He came to say, there's a better way. There's a better way. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Thank you, Lord. I'm not condemned. My sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Buried in the deepest oceans, never to be remembered against me again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If I could just do the part of forgetting them myself. That's the big battle. But God remembers them no more. Sins are removed. They're gone. Because he that, and he he goes on, he says, uh, But he that believeth is not condemned, because he that hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. So he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So mankind, natural mankind, that we brush shoulders with every day, natural mankind who doesn't go to church, natural mankind who's never heard the Bible, they're condemned to death. 
It's their natural plot. Condemned to death. Until someone told me about Jesus Christ, I was condemned to death. But in 1976, when I walked that aisle and I got on my knees and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, my life changed. I went from a hell-bound sinner to a saved-by-the-grace-of-God saint. I don't have to earn sainthood. I got sainthood when I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Isn't that a wonderful treat? My salvation is precious, and so is yours. It's more precious than anything that you own. It's more precious than anything that you'll ever have. It's the most precious possession that you have is your salvation. Think about it. How gracious how God, has God been to us. And then he said there in verse number 8, For the redemption of their soul is precious, I love this part, and it ceaseth forever. Forever. The bill has been played completely forever. Boy, I wish someone could pay the tax bill on my house forever. I'm trying to think if I even have a bill that's been paid forever, but I have. There's no add-ons. There's no, oh, we, we missed this, now we've got to add that. No, when it comes to our salvation, when we call upon Jesus Christ, it is paid, is paid in full, and it's just waiting for people to pick it up. All we have to do is say, yes, I want to be saved. I want to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. I want that precious thing the preacher's talking about. I want that for myself. It can be mine. Hallelujah. Verse number 9 says that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Two things about the redeemed. First of all, they're going to live forever. I'm going to live forever. Praise God, not in this body. I'm going to have a perfect one. And I'm going to have a perfect mind. I'm going to have perfect emotions. It's going to be wonderful to be in heaven. The redeemed live forever. What an awesome, awesome picture. We'll not see corruption. There'll be no corruption there. It's all taken care of. You think about the other option. Eternal death. And you think about the corruption that they'll see. I just want to share with you a few verses. Matthew 8, 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 13, 28. There's five different verses. I'll give you two. Luke 13, 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a horrible way to spend eternity in a state of complete corruption. Your body will be in a state of decay. It'll be in pain. It'll be in suffering. It'll be in absolute corruption for all of eternity in a lake of fire. Or you can ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You get a new body and a new spirit. You'll be in heaven forever with him. So there's three classes of men in verse number 10. For he seeth the wise men die, likewise the fool, 
and a brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. So the wise, maybe you're a wise guy and you're very smart, very intelligent, you've worked very hard, uh, you've made a lot of money, you have a lot of nice stuff, and you die. Or you're a fool and you waste your time. You think you've got all the answers. I don't need God. I don't need anyone else. I'm just a fool. I'm just here to have fun. I'm here to enjoy life. The foolish waste their life. Then there's the brutish. The brutish. Brutish is like a brute or a beast. Insensible. Stupid. That's not my word. That's in the dictionary. Insensible. Stupid. Unfeeling, savage, ferocious, gross, carnal, ignorant, uncivilized, untaught, still dies. Spurgeon wrote this about this portion. He said, For we seeth that wise men die. Everyone sees this. The proud, persecuting rich man cannot help seeing it. He cannot shut his eyes to the fact that wiser men than he are dying, and that he also, with all his craft, must die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish. Folly has no immunity from death. Off goes the jester's cap, as well as the student's gown. Jolidity cannot laugh off the dying hour. Death, who visits the universe does not spare the tavern. Thoughtlessness and brutishness meet their end as surely as much care and wasting study. In fact, while the truly wise, so far as this world is concerned, die, the fool has a lot worse, for he perishes, is blotted out of remembrance, bewailed by none, remembered no more, and leave their wealth to others. Not a farthing can they carry with them, whether heirs, male of their own body, lawfully gotten, inherit their estates, or they remain unclaimed, it matters not. Their hoardings are no longer theirs. Friends may quarrel over their property, or strangers divide it as spoil. They cannot interfere. Ye boasters, Hold ye your own before ye dream of despoiling the sons of the living God. Keep shoes to your own feet in death's dark pilgrimage ere ye seek to bite our heels. Cannot take it with you. I want to close with this thought. And it's verse 14 and 15. I know it's a rather lengthy, but I... Felt it good. Verse 14. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. So we die like animals. We're buried. Those who are still alive, they have dominion over us. They decide what's going to happen to our dead body. And their beauty, well, it's all going to come apart in the grave. 
Verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my precious gift of salvation. Did I deserve it? No, sir. Do you deserve it? No, sir. But it's a free gift. If you want it, you can have it. Well, preacher, (laughs) I don't know. That's a pretty old book you're reading out of. I don't even know if there is a God. Think about this. What if there is a God? I just told you the truth of what he believes. Are you ready to face death? Are you ready to die? You have a chance to make ready today to take care of that situation. And Christian friend, you possess this great gift. Remember how this all started in verse number one? Go and tell. The lost need to hear. Our friends need to hear. Oh, preacher, I'm pretty busy. You know, my job's pretty demanding. That doesn't let you out. It's our job to tell that the world might know. That the world might know. Lord Jesus, I love you. I am so thankful for my salvation. How precious a gift. I've never received a gift so precious before. I've received a lot of good things, but nothing is precious as my salvation. To know that my sins are forgiven, that heaven's my eternal home, is far more than I could have ever expected or, or ever done on my own. I could have never done this on my own, God. You gave me that precious gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And God, I want to bless you for it. I want to praise you for it. I want to exalt you for it. Because heaven could not be my home outside of the fact that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Lord, could be there's something sitting here today they don't know. They were to die right now. They don't know to heaven be their eternal home. Maybe they played some mind games, but they haven't applied the one thing that the Bible says, and that's where they call upon Jesus to forgive them of their sins. They ask him to come Lord and Savior of their life. Maybe they're relying on their good looks, their good works, and, and all the other stuff. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit make it so evident, evident to them right now that their only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ and to put away all the lies that the world would want to fill their mind with. And today they would face the reality of I either accept him or I reject him and I live with the consequence. Lord Jesus, invitation for your glory. And we just praise you for all you do. We ask these things in your wonderful name. Amen. ask you to stand. Going to have a moment of invitation. You're here without Jesus. And you want to know more, you come, we'll have someone take a Bible, share with you from the Word of God how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Christian friend, it'll be a time that you think, who do I know that I haven't told about Jesus? Who do I know? Maybe my mom, maybe my dad, maybe a brother, maybe a sister, maybe my best friend, maybe someone that lives across the street. I don't know. But I'm sure if you think about it, there's someone you just pray today, God, give me boldness to talk to that person. Let me get some tracks on the way out, and I'm going to start telling people about Jesus. Whatever your need is today, to encourage you to come. Brother, if you would, just lead us. My life, my love, 
I give to you. Encourage you to come. Know that you're saved on the way to heaven. If not, I'd encourage you to come. Let's take a Bible. Show you how you know that you're saved on your way to heaven. My Savior and my God. I live for him who died for me. How Today. Uh, it's good to have some special visitors with us. Good to have Pam Quinlan back with us. And, and uh, she brought Mindy with her. Always good to see Mindy. And then Miss Deanna's there in the back. Praise God. I love miracles. We've been praying for her and her surgery. And uh, she's on the heel. We praise God for that. Um, we have uh, Sunday School Children's Church meeting following the afternoon service. So if you're a teacher or helper or you're interested in being one of those, uh, if you could be here this afternoon, following the afternoon service, we'll have uh, that meeting and other information there in the bulletin. Uh, take time to acknowledge that. Uh, Brother Gus, would you mind coming up here for a minute? I appreciate so much having um, Brother Augustus and uh, his lovely wife, Allie, with us. Uh, we took them on uh, February, March uh, in the building program. Little did we know that we were going to need a builder, right? Uh, and uh, we were just thankful that... God had brought builders to us when we built our church, and we realized that churches can use the benefit of uh, builders. And so, uh, matter of fact, uh, his boss, the guy in charge of their ministry, called me and said, Hey, I heard that you had a horrible tragedy at your church, and I uh, just want you to know if you need Brother Gus to come help you, we'd be glad to do it. And I'm like, Yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. And uh, then I got talking with the men. And some other things, and we just decided, yeah, that would be a great answer to prayer. And so, uh, boy, I'm telling you, it's nice not to have snow in the form of insulation falling while I'm preaching. Amen? That's <laughs> just such a blessing to have that big hole covered up and to have uh, these uh, two-by-fours all covered up. And so Brother uh, Gus has been here. Brother Lalo has been working with him. I sure appreciate it. Would you close us in a word of prayer, Brother Gus? We love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the, the, the great time in your house this morning, Lord. Thank you for the privilege it is to sing your praises and to worship you. Lord, we're not worthy to worship you because of your son and what he did for us. Lord, we're able to come boldly into your presence. Lord, I thank you for the, the message this morning, the great challenge by the man of God. And Lord, that you made it possible that we may be redeemed. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I should pray that you're with everyone as they, they go out. And, Lord, that you bring them back safely for this afternoon service. Lord, that you continue to meet with us. Lord, that you be with the preacher then. And, 
speak to our hearts, Lord, and let us get everything out of it that you would have us to get, Lord, and not leave empty. If we leave empty, that's our own fault, Lord. We just ask you to bless this time. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen.